Hey folks, how doing? I'm getting dressed just like you know, like I had a quickie, <laughs> like I had a quickie in, in, in the you know in the bathroom before. Did you just say you had a quickie? No, I, it looks like I just had one because because I'm telling people why. It's because on the French, we just finished the French podcast and uh, the Quatre Cook Rocket from uh, the Ligue de uh, Baseball Junior Elite de Québec. I said that really fast for any English folks trying to uh, send me a shirt, man. It's like a, a warm-up shirt. It's, it's great, man. Uh, you can see the link between the the Aquatic uh, Rocket and uh, obviously the color rock, color rock. So anyway, I, did, I, did, I, I finished the French shirt with that shirt on and I tried to, because we went a little long. Usually we finish about 15 minutes before the uh, English podcast. So we got time, uh, got time to, uh, you know, do what I'm doing. Anyway, I'm getting dressed. So anyway, how you doing, buddy? Good, good, good. How you doing? I'm in. I'm actually in uh, Newport Beach right now. Yeah, here. My first, my first Fourth of July as an American, dual American. That's my first time. So I'm gonna celebrate tomorrow. It's gonna be interesting. That's right. You became a, you, you became a citizen. How how differently you're gonna get? Like you know, last year when you were still a Canadian, you were like getting drunk differently or what? I mean, you know. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'm getting drunk with solo red cups now as an American. I'm doing it the right way. Oh, really? Because back <laughs> la la last year, you, you would pick up a red cup and you'd go, what is this Canadian kid doing with red cup? Who do you think he different. is, man? Really? It feels different to get drunk as an American. Uh, it feels totally different. Okay, but no, you have dual citizenship or you you, you didn't give up the Canadian? Yeah, dual. Okay. I don't know. Which dual is a citizenship, great. yeah. We should all get that because, you know, I mean, it, obviously it's going to be the end of the world within two years. We all know that. So <laughs> you, sh you should have the privilege of you know, deciding which way, on which side of the border you're going to, like, you know, want to escape death more slowly. But, uh, <laughs> all right. So, so that's going to hey, be for the... Canada, U.S. is the same thing. We're the same. We're the same. Well, no, it's not. Otherwise, what would you what would you go for the U.S. citizenship? <laughs> Did you did you get a chance to vote before? Uh, or is this the first time you can vote? No, you can vote, right? First time, first time I can vote. First time, yeah, I've never voted before. So. Okay, I'm not gonna ask you you're gonna time. vote for, but uh, not I'm right. not. I don't think I'll vote. I don't know. What I don't do know. It'd be interesting. What? What? Okay, no. Let's do not you go vote? There. Do you always vote? Yes, I do. Nice. I, I've yeah. never voted. Never really? I've always said voting is a chance here, so because voting is like your excuse to keep bitching. You can't bitch about the government if you don't vote. If you don't vote, shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? If you vote, you can say whatever you want. But if you don't vote, then just fucking, no, go play bingo, whatever. Just fucking leave me alone and just, uh, what the hell's going on? Just said fucking like the last three minutes. But anyway, uh, great show today. Go. Our guest is uh, your suggestion, uh, Tim Dillard, who's a broadcaster for the Milwaukee Brewers. I can't wait to talk about the Brewers because I think the uh, National League Central, well, both Central Division are like, you know, the weak link of every league. Um, the National League, not as much as the one in the American League. American League, everybody's limping. Everybody looks like a war veteran or just like someone from D-Day was crawling on the beach after the Germans shot him eight times, you know? But um, I want to I get his take on the Brewers, who obviously were the favorites uh, to win the division. The Reds are making a point, but we'll see what's going on. I got a few predictions about that. Um, and Tim played uh, briefly in the major leagues. You know him. Uh, so um, briefly, yeah. Yeah, briefly. he played a long him. time in the minor league. So he's he's a good, he's a good, fun character. He's really one of the best guy I've ever been around. Yeah, he's, he's like the Crash Davis, but like a pitching version mm -hmm. of uh, of Crash Davis. That's a compliment, That's isn't right. it? It's a compliment. 
Oh yeah, it's he knows. He's 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 one of those guys that you just like. You should, if there's a uh, if there's a uh, commissioner for minor leaguers, that that'd be my pick for sure. Really? He's been he's been around. He's you know he's, we're gonna talk about it a little bit when you get home. But it's, he's an interesting character. He's an amazing person. He lo- talk about love of the game. That's this guy right there. He does everything. He's a great you know one of the greatest ambassadors for the game. Minor you know league, what? major league. I never thought about it, but like a commissioner for the minor leagues, that would be great. But then again, yeah. usually the commissioner is like, you know, is, it's like the owner's is bitch. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, that's different. Yeah. yeah. It needs to change. It needs to be for the game. A commissioner for the game, not just for the owners. That's why I think yeah, it that's 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 a very hippie-like way of thinking. You know, it's not okay. hippie. That's how it's supposed to be, buddy. I know, but exactly, you just said it. That's how it's supposed to be. Is it going to be like that? I'm wearing my Orioles jersey right now with number five. You can't see it, can you? But Robinson's in the back. Frank Robinson, obviously. Frank, yeah, yeah. Because I used to buy, I used to buy jerseys with like guys I like on the teams. But you know how many jerseys I fucking spent money on, and uh, they're not longer with the team. I got, I got a Kansas City Royals Osmer. I got oh, yeah. yeah, of course. I mean, you know, if, if you look at <laughs> if you look at my NFL jerseys, it's even worse. I got a Carson Wentz for the Eagles. I got a Mariota from. Uh, it's, it's a joke. Anyway, so now I'm just I'm I'm buying shirts with the name of retired players. They're retired. They won't sign with anybody. So I'm. Uh, but the reason I'm wearing an Orioles shirt is because you made fun of me a month ago, saying there will be a flash in the pan. They're still second. And well in second place, and also well within reach of the Rays, who of course had this amazing start, but you know, they're coming down to earth, which is pretty normal. We'll talk about that later on, but uh, it's going to be a good debate, so I'm pretty proud of my shirt and uh, what it stands for. I love it. I love it. I love that you. I love that you believe in them so much. I mean, it's good. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch them at least succeed and you know give some hope for the Baltimore people because I mean they deserve it. They've been through. They've been through a lot and they need. A, they need some winning. They need. Some yeah. Out there. And it's a franchise. It's 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 a storage franchise, man. They had yeah. great moments in Baltimore. It's a, it's it's also a franchise that could spend money. It hasn't in a long in a long time because the last time they spent money was on uh, Davis. What's his first name? Um, yeah, yeah, not crash, not crash, not crash. But anyway, but it was a crash because they signed him for like 10 years for like 160. I don't know, like you know, and he played like three games or something. He was like yeah. a first baseman. What's his yeah, name, please? People are watching Davis, us right now. Davis. Davis. Davis uh, he was a first baseman. Nice guy, man. He was like an amazing guy, but it just got hurt and never, you know. So they went the old-fashioned way, man. Let's go. Let's let's just you know. But actually, their GM, you know, learned the uh, Astros way, and it shows because every guy, every guy who's up there right now, man went through the system uh it's gonna mm-hmm. be interesting to see what they're gonna do during uh, right prior to the uh, trade deadline they won't we talked about it on the french side so uh we'll talk about it on the english side but the great thing about teams like baltimore is like all your like greatest talent is already up there so yeah go ahead and move the guys in triple a in triple a and double a because i mean basically they're they're just waiting in line Nobody's going to move Gunner, Gunner Anderson for a while. Nobody's going to move, you know, uh, um, Rutschman at Casher. I can name like six guys right now who are taking their spots. Yep. I really wish Mount Castle. I, w- I was hoping we'd get Mount Castle from the first year ever, but it's going to be. Anyway, it's not a bad fit, but anyway, so anyway, well, sorry, we're getting lost in what I was going to talk about. Um, let's go to our guest right now, and then, uh, you know, once, uh, once uh, we let's can go it. back to he's debating to after. Say, so he's fun. Yeah, because I was going to also debate the Arias, uh-huh. Arras. This, there's a debate. I say Arias because I'm French, so are you, even though you're American now. But uh, Arras, hitting 400. Do you think he's going to make it? 
Of course, the answer I hope is so. No. I, don't, I hope so. I mean, now I didn't believe that, but now he's doing it because I thought when he dropped the 388, whatever that was it, he's gonna, you know, fade off a little bit. Yeah, what a loser think, betting 388. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, terrible. No, I think, I think, I mean, there's a good chance. I mean, it's, it's yeah. It's going to be incredible to watch, but I don't know. We'll but see. it's so much pressure, man, because we've been following him since, like, mid-June. We're in the first week of July. It's been the last two or three weeks. Imagine there's, like, three months left of baseball. Three months of every day people telling you, are you going to hit 400? Like, I'm, I'd, I'd like to see – that'd be a nice comparison. Look at today's media and what's going on with Aras, Aras. And the way, mm-hmm. you know, last time it was done was by Ted Williams and see how much harass, you know, harassment – Williams, I mean, obviously, reporters talk to, the, to him about it every day, but it wasn't like today. You know, we know what I mean. I like to see the difference. Yeah. But uh, I saw I saw a document, but not a documentary. It's more like a a segment. Because um, the last time it came close to being done was by Tony Gwynn in 1994, mm-hmm. the strike shortened season, which uh, the season is uh, that the Expos would have won the fucking World Series. And by the way, when they said the Braves won 13 or 14 straight uh, uh, National League uh, Division, East Division um, championships, no, there's going to be an asterisk on that. The Expos would have won. When the, the, when the stroke broke out, when the strike broke out, they were like six games ahead of the Braves. And if they would won yeah. the World Series, they're gonna sign, you know, at least half the guys who left. Anyway, I might, I might start crying right now and just uh, let's change the subject. But uh, so Gwyn was the last guy to, to be. <laughs> yeah, Gwyn was was the last guy to be close to 400. And I saw this this uh, like I said, not documentary, but like more like a. Uh, and they said a couple of journalists say when you talk to Tony Gwyn. If, if it wasn't for the strike, he would have had it because the guy loved pressure. The guy would have loved us coming to his locker room every day and asking about his life. Did you ever face him? You faced him? Yeah, I faced him. I faced him. Like, you remember that so five and a half hole? You keep going the other way. I faced him, and uh, and he was he was really uh, – he was mad at me because he was wondering why. When I faced him, he hit a little base at opposite field, and he was like, you come back, and I faced – I think I hit, and I wasn't hitting with goggles. So he was really mad the next day. He goes, what kind of pitcher throws with goggles and he hits without anything? So that was actually uh, the only time I faced him. But he's, he was impressive. Though. But I think that kid, Arias, is one of those guys that goes out, you know, he hits like that a little bit. He's contact. You could tell the way he hits. And But, yeah, to face a guy like uh, Tony Gwynn is pretty impressive because, you know, 400, these are guys like that. They're guys that just end the ball, end the, end the ball, amazing hand-eye coordination and these guys are going to hit like 400 but it's it's going to be hard to see one of those it'd be very very interesting to see who does it because that Arius is the only one i could do it. i didn't know he's that good i didn't know he could handle the bat like that that's like it's crazy especially now it's swing and miss everybody like yeah everybody loves a launch angle and everything he does exactly the opposite of that he's really down on the ball and it's fun to watch it's refreshing to watch guys that can actually touch the ball instead of just string for fence well not just that but when he was playing with the twins i don't i wonder if it was the last year or the year before but he was hitting like like close to 360 370 also mm-hmm. this late in the season nobody made a point of it he ended up like he's legit yeah he is man it's not it's not a fluke season he's he's actually proven yeah. it but uh but i just want to go back to this for a second are you saying the first time you faced tony gwynn you got into your head? Of course you got in my head. It's Tony Gwynn. I mean, this guy's just like, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I've never seen anybody approach a plate like this. And it, 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 looked, it looked easy to pitch to him. It looked like, oh, you just throw away because it felt like it was a little bit away from the plate. And you could you, the outside part felt really open. And he would just slap it out there, five and a half hole, and he would just keep doing that all day. And, yeah, of course. 
Yeah. The plate was his. These guys. The plate was. Yeah. What? Okay, I gotta ask you a question once again. Before the game, you, you know, even back then, you know, guys had scouting reports. What did show? What did it show? Was his weakness point? Do you remember that? Uh, it's supposed to be up and up and in lefties. It's always the same thing. A little loop. All the lefties had that loop, and it's always been up and in. Same thing with Barry Bonds. But I don't, you know, I don't think he had a weakness because <laughs> it's just. Yeah. It, that's the thing. The greatest hitter like this, what they do is the best pitch you throw. They just foul it off, or they find a way to stay alive with two outs. I mean, two strikes. Like they just put the bat, the ball in play, and that's the difference with these guys. They don't. They just take the pitch where it's thrown at, and they go with it. And that thing—that's what Arias does. That's what Tony Gwynn does. And it's pretty, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty frustrating as a pitcher because you make great pitches, just fall it off, and then they wait for that mistake. And then when you do, they make that mistake, they make you pay. I love it, man. So basically, they own the at bat. Is what oh, you're yeah. saying? Yeah. Of course, of course. I mean, to hit 400, you got to own it. <laughs> it's not Don't that easy. Get in, man. Not that easy. <laughs> no, we'll talk about this a little more. I, I love it. it. You know, it's pretty interesting. Like, like I said, like if you're getting scouting reports, you know, Tony Gwynn strike zone. Here's the blue. Here's the red dot. <sighs> yeah, right. There's a red dot. That's a misprint. Come on. It's like you know, what's going on with the printer, man? It's obviously the wrong color and stuff. Hey, the first guest, <laughs> and I'm so glad you suggested him. I can't wait to uh, talk to him. Uh, like you said, great storyteller, which is something we totally hate when you host a podcast. Someone who can tell a great story. Uh, pretty uh, pre- uh, Presently, uh, broadcaster for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. We're in first place right now, uh, despite uh, an interesting uh, beginning of the season. I want to debate this because I think uh, the Reds are for real. And I think also that the Cubs might make a push for it. Let's talk. I don't, we'll find out. Please welcome our guest, Tim Dillard. I was supposed to. I was supposed to say game on, but uh, I'm a fucking Look shitty old man. So. Look at this guy! <laughs> What's going on? Are you doing a podcast you from your car? Did you get kicked out of the house or something? Is your wife mad at you? Or uh... yeah, no. Well, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't know your show was on so late. So I'm actually at a friend's. Like they have land. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, off the off the grid a little bit, and uh, they're shooting fireworks out here. So really, like duck, uh, and you hear explosions. Just know that I'm fine. Okay. Well, you know, with, with the world situation right now, you know, maybe Russia bypassed Ukraine and decided to, you know, invade Tennessee, you know? That could be the next fucking step. You never know, man. You never well, know. Well, nobody's so. coming for Tennessee. Believe me. Drive around here and see all the trucks? No, yeah. no shot. That's why I would go for Tennessee because they weren't suspecting it. I actually went to Tennessee once. I went to Nashville, man. What a great city. What yeah. a great state in general, man. Proud of their country. Pretty open-minded people. I went to some football and baseball. Uh, we all know the countryside of it, you know? I mean, I love... It. It's, 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 I don't know. There's something vibrant about Tennessee. Exactly what you're talking about. Because when I, my first year in AAA and for the Brewers system in, in 2007, I uh, had never been to Nashville before, my wife and I. And as soon as we were there, probably a month, we realized, like, this is home. We don't know anybody. We don't have any family here. Uh, but it just became home. And now you fast forward to now, it's like the place to be. Everybody's moving here. And uh, it's it's a great spot. So I know the vibe you're talking about. It's hard yeah. to describe, but it's real. It's my favorite city now. I mean, I play. We, I had a chance. I had the honor to coach this guy right here. I mean, he, he, you guys, he's a trip. He's unbelievable. And I mean, just this guy's been thrown off Twitter. I mean, he's pitched 17 years in the big league. He's done some crazy you, you, stuff you, you, out there. But I, I, I can you, I can you put this in the same sentence? Thrown off Twitter. <laughs> And pitch for 17 a- years. Let's separate the two and see about it. How the fuck did you get thrown out of Twitter, man? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, it was so I got a video flag 
uh, copyright infringement from like four years. See, that, this was in 2019. I did a video with Eric Young Jr., uh, EY, and we were teammates, I think, in 16. And we made a video, and we had some copyright infringement stuff. And for whatever reason, Twitter was like, this video is not good anymore. And so I just got... I don't know. We were in Oklahoma City playing AAA Dodgers, and I walked in the clubhouse, and somebody said, what's wrong with your Twitter? And I looked at it, and I was suspended. Anyway, didn't do anything wrong. It was nothing bad. It was all good and fun. It was just illegal. Yeah, you and Trump, man. You're in the same sentence as Trump, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't say that around here. Unbelievable. No. no, no. Roll up the windows, man. Put down those shades, and let's start whispering. That's how we're going to go about it, man. Man, 17 years pitching. That's what I call... You know, passion. I, you know, I, I said it to, in the introduction. You know, you're like kind of like the pitching version of Crash Davis. And you talk about your wife, man. We had to follow all the movements, all the moving, all the, you know, packing the boxes and let's get back in the car and stuff. But that's what makes a couple strong. When you know, she, I'm sure she admired the passion you had for the game. Yeah, we. It was. It was early on. We. Uh, we were like, you know what, the, the divorce rate in baseball, if you may not know this, is somewhere between 70 and 80%. So we knew this going in. It's it's me and her against the world. And it's a tough life. I think a lot of people don't realize professional baseball. They only see what they see on TV. They have no idea what some of these people have been through, like where they've lived. Uh, talk about roommates not making any money in the minor leagues. Like It's really a difficult, hard life. Uh, and, but you don't see that part of it. But I lived it. My dad played in, in, in the big leagues, and he was a coach when the, by the yep. time I came along. So for me, and just in particular, I, I felt like I was cut from that cloth that was ready for this lifestyle. Uh, and I tried to talk her out of it, but she married me anyway. <laughs> That's funny. So, so your vetting wows were, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 she yeah as far as, i mean she i guess dark out here i don't know she may have left now but uh yeah she stuck with me. we've been married almost 17 or 18 years i'm not sure now but um you, you yeah like try to remember that because that's gonna be important thing. if she asks you you gotta remember that man until february <laughs> not sure which day in february at the moment but no. <laughs> uh but the idea is that you have to understand what this game is and the even flows and and she got that right away and Uh, we didn't put the game above us. We don't even, you know, we don't put anything above us and what we're trying to do in our life. And and she stuck with me for this entire time. And not just not just when it was me and her. It was me and her and then a kid and then another kid and then another kid. Gagne knows my kids be running around the clubhouse in 2019 in AAA. Who in AAA has got kids that, you know, like are going to middle school? It's pretty strange. Um, and it's amazing, too. We're actually going to yeah. go to a Nashville Sounds game tomorrow for the fourth. Uh, and my kids get to sit there, and they remember me pitching on the mound. So it's it's pretty cool. It's beautiful, man. It's a beautiful story yeah. because having kids in middle age school, when most guys in Triple A, we know, left middle school like five years ago. So you know, probably have more in common with your kids than they had with you. So <laughs> exactly, my teammates are talking about Pokemon Go, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. My kids. Are like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I love oh, it, man. my wife's like. Please, you have to retire. So eventually, yeah, I had to retire. Luckily, I fell into some broadcasting. <laughs> yeah, tell us about that, man. That's amazing because, I mean, the whole time we talked about you being one of the first guy. I mean, we talk about the social media and everything else, President. So you're the one guy that really started me onto the social media. I didn't think there was any big deal now. You got guys making millions of dollars in this. But, you know, you've done this for 17 years, and now you're doing – 
you're doing the beautiful thing. Like you're, 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 are you critiquing or like, I know you don't critique it, but how hard is it to do this? Cause you went from playing to now, you know, judging all of them. So yeah. how is that? How's that going? How, and I'm, I'm actually going to, well, I'm going to add something to it. Cause, yeah. cause to do something on social media where you have like full Liberty, but to be a broadcaster, there's a fine line. How do you juggle the both? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, well, it's part of the reason I didn't go into coaching. I feel like I could be a coach, but when you're a coach, you got to be serious. And you, you know, I didn't want to be that serious yet. Uh, I wanted to strike while the iron was hot, and I got popular in social media just because I showed what it was like to have fun in the clubhouse and what players do in their downtime. Instead of just playing cards and cribbage, we started making little videos of like commercials, uh, movies, TV shows, music videos. We did it all, just having fun with these little miniature films that i never won an award for but i did get some followers on, on social I, feel, media. I sent some bitterness here i sent some bitterness <laughs> no I, yeah i didn't submit there's probably an entry fee no i for, but for whatever reason um the brewers were okay with with me doing this my relationship with the brewers goes back there drafted me back in 2001 as a catcher 2002 as a catcher they end up signing me in 2003 as a pitcher and so you fast forward i started making these videos in 2015 Uh, and I had such a relationship with everybody. They were like, listen, we're not, we're okay with you filming in the clubhouse because we trust you. Think about it. Nobody's filming videos in the clubhouse even now. So for them mm -hmm. to trust me and, and say, you know, we're okay with you doing this showed a lot about what they thought. And then when I was done playing, uh, they were like, we think you can be one of our broadcasters. And what I told them up front, if this was going to be a thing, number one, I told them whatever they wanted to hear because I really wanted the job. Uh, but besides <laughs> that, I was like, everything has to go through the filter of this game is hard. This game is the hardest game on planet Earth. Uh, what these guys go through, it's not just six months of a season. It's spring training. And even there is no offseason. Everybody no. talks about an offseason. They're training in the offseason. They're trying to get their life back together so they can go and leave town for seven months. So uh, it's a very difficult thing. And so every, if a guy's in a slump, I'm not going to sit there and be like, what is wrong with this guy? I'm going to look for the positive of like, look what the adjustment that he's made. Now it's a matter of time or here's what he was doing in April. If he's still doing this in August, you know, there's some, there's a problem, you know, but I, I don't, I don't throw anybody under the bus because I played this game and I only got a year in the big leagues and it wasn't because uh, of an injury or something like that. I stayed healthy my entire career. I just didn't stay in the big leagues long because I wasn't good enough because it's a super hard game. <laughs> it's a it's a game of inches. It's a game of like a couple of points of ERA. It's a couple of like you know what I mean. It's like everything's fragile. It's a question of like you know, as it's a business side to it. It's like who's your agent? When were you drafted? You know, it's it, it's there's so many details. And like you said, yeah, you know I mean, it's it's hard for guys, no matter who you are, unless you're like this big superstar, to like stay quiet between the ears. That's got to be your first, the toughest thing I think about being a ball player. I mean, NFL. We know you know the life expectancy in the NFL is like two to three uh, two to three seasons. Generally, you know, if we just, you know, go like, you know, or three or four, something like that. Uh, hockey, you know, if you're not in the NHL, you're in the American Hockey League. But in baseball, you get so many levels to go through before you get there. This is going to be what you have to control the most, right? I would say for my latter years, that's probably what, um, what I was good at. You know, maybe one of the reasons I kept getting a job is because they wanted to bring somebody in. And I, listen, I'm, I'm a PG's man, right? I got kids, the social media thing. Uh, can be evil, and I look at it as like the one ring from from Mordor, right? Like you can try to use it for good, but it's evil. Uh, but I put up content that only like my kids could watch, right, and listen to. That's just who I am. Uh, so when it comes to that kind of side of stuff, um, I think 
they trusted me. I think every team that had me on their club, they want, they were like, okay, we know you can pitch, but we know you're going to be an in, a good influence on our players. Uh, it doesn't have to be just pitchers. It doesn't have to be just uh, a position player. It could be the trainers or the coaches. Like I, mm-hmm. I wanted to just be a, a force where anybody could come to me. Cause when I was playing and when things were hard early on, I had an ear, I had my dad and my dad would let me vent. And this is back when you had calling cards. If you remember those, we didn't have, yeah. cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone. Uh, so I would like type in 40 digits uh, on this rotary phone, basically. And I'd call my dad and I would just complain about the game. The umpire did this. If I would have, if I could have, but I can't believe this happened. And that's what I would do uh, because every, the world is against me, dad. The world's against ah, me. This is the word. Yeah. I'm trying to cure cancer. And this umpire squeezing me. Yeah. Like, what are we talking about? And, and, and it was just, it was an ear that would listen and then pump in perspective. That's all it was. And I, I, earned, I realized that guys need this. They don't need to do that to their wife. They don't need to do that to another teammate. Right. Cause everybody has that venting gene in their body every all these players want to vent so i really just want to be a lifeline for guys in the clubhouse of just advice maybe i didn't do it the best maybe i did do it the best or maybe i saw somebody in the clubhouse that did it the best and it's all about stories and talking baseball and all of us trying to get this thing right so uh for me it was probably very soothing of the mind uh having me around at times but at the same time it selfishly it helped me like when you're teaching somebody something, you'd be surprised how good at it uh, you become. Yeah, starting to yeah, believe yourself. True. Actually, and, I, and I, had, I had the I had the chance to coach him, and the, the, everything he says, like for me, I've learned I've learned from you. I've learned a lot from you, and the pretty the most impressive thing that people don't understand, like you've had the chance. You were throwing 94, 95, 96 from the top here, and you went sidearm. You went couch surfing, right? Tell us a little bit about your couch surfing experience. I want to hear that because that's crazy. People don't realize, but you're making, I don't know, 17 bucks a day. Just tell us a little bit about your couch surfing experience. Well, I, I love your segues, Gags, going from 95 miles an hour to couch surfing. To 65. And what's what's the whole thing about being becoming a sidearm pitcher? What the hell? Yeah, I, for whatever reason, I was throwing really hard. Uh, you know, I was over, uh, in 2008, I got called up. I was on the roster with the Brewers. I had a one ERA in AAA. I'm throwing 96, and I have a 90-mile-an-hour slider. So it was really just a matter of time. I finally got my break. I go. Uh, the Brewers ended up making playoffs. Um, that was the CC Sabathia year. Everybody saw that. Gagne was there. We all had a great mm-hmm. time. You know, we knew. We all came back to spring training like, yeah, man, like this is going to be the year. Um, follow that momentum. And I was one of the first people sent down. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I had a pretty decent year, I thought. And they go, no, no, we're going to send you down to AAA because we need starters. They needed starters. They didn't think they had a very strong depth when it came to starters. So they were like, yeah, we need you to go be a starter. I said, okay, I'm going to go be the best starter you can believe. And I did. I was the best starter in AAA in 2009. They called me up in the bullpen. And I'm like, ah, oh, man. And I just wasn't as good, right? I built up all these starts, and then now I'm in the bullpen again. It was kind of a different breed. It didn't go well. Uh, and then they end up taking me off the roster, I think. They bring me back to spring training in 2010, and they're like, we're going to switch you sidearm. What do you think? What? I was like, well. Okay, it wasn't, your own, <laughs> it wasn't even your own deduction. Someone suggested to you that you're like, you know, I, by the way, how about we make you a freak on the mount and just. Uh... Well, I wish they would have told me, like, I don't know, October or November, but they wait till I'm in spring training. I trained all off season over the top and you know, I'm trying to get better and throw hard and all this stuff. Uh, and I just glad, honestly, that they said not knuckleball. Like I thought they were going to be like, Hey, we want you to throw the knuckleball. Like, no, I don't want to, I'm not there yet. 
<laughs> I'm not 52. I'm not 52 years old. Give me a break. Yeah, I'm 20 years away from that. Uh, no, but anyway, in 2010, they said we want you at those sidearm. Take a day to see if you think you should do it. Came home, talked to the wife right at the hotel, um, and and she's like, uh, I don't know. What do you think? And I had a coach come to uh, come to my room. He you know found me out. And uh, Stan Kyles, uh, triple coach for a while, ended up being the bullpen coach for the Brewers for a while. And he told me, he said, listen, I know this is a tough decision. He's like, and sidearm is just weird. It's strange. It's a hard thing to crack. He's like, but you, you are weird and you are strange. And we think you can do this. We think, we think you're durable. You've never missed a game due to injury. You, you can pitch. You can do this. Conquer this sidearm thing. And listen, there's no sidearm handbook back then. Like, no. Maybe there isn't now. I don't know. It's a different way of pitching lefties, different way of pitching righties, different way of uh selection in general sequences grips uh and so i spent all of 2010 trying to figure out this sidearm thing in triple a had a mediocre season i feel like but they brought me back in 2011 and ron renicky was the manager and yeah. he told me day one of spring training he said man i love guys like you i love guys like you. he said you be ready and so 2011 rolls around hadn't been the big leagues in a couple years and suddenly, out of nowhere, right before we started the second game of a doubleheader in AAA, probably around 11.30, I have a coach tell me, hey, can you start this game? And I said, absolutely, let's go. And he goes, no, I'm just kidding. You're going to the big leagues. Wow. I wasn't on the roster. I was on the roster. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't having that particularly good of year. Uh, but what they saw was my strikeouts were up and my walks were down, not giving up home runs. That's what they wanted to see. And anyway, kind of rejuvenated my career. My last 11 seasons, I was over the, or I was sidearm, so. You know, I think it's an idea that some pitchers don't want to change, whether they don't want to change a grip or they don't want to change uh, anything that they're doing. They want to keep everything the same, but the game does not stay the same. Uh, hitters, approaches change. Everything changes. Defensive shifts. MLB will step in with rules. You have to be able to adjust on the fly and learn something new. And, you know, and if I hadn't done that, my career probably would have been over before it started. But there's a big difference between changing your grip and changing your arm angle. I mean, that's a huge well, move. I had a, well, I had, back in the day when everyone threw sinker slider, like that was me. I, we were a dime a dozen. Like, they were like, hey, what do you do? I throw sinker slider. It's like, so so does my mom. <laughs> everyone does. Oh, my my mom never threw. Uh, God, I wish you would. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I got to bring it up but to her. But it was easy. Everybody was doing it. Um, and, and for me, I just didn't find a way to stand out until I did sidearm. And so now you fast forward. Now, if I was throwing sinker slider right now, they would, I'd probably, it could play right now because everyone got used to the four seamer up and the curveball going straight down. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's what it is. Everybody wants velocity, but you're starting to see guys with sinkers that don't throw very hard uh, having decent years. So I don't know. I, I think you have to have a willingness there. I think you have to be able to be someone that can, is, is just willing to beat the odds at times, but. I don't know. It, it takes an army. And anytime anybody has any success whatsoever, it's not just them. It's everybody they're surrounded with, teammates, family, coaches, et cetera, et cetera. Dude, you're an old school guy. You are an old school guy. You're old school baseball. You're everything that baseball can ask for. If I, you know everything about the past history and everything else. But, like, for me just to watch, like, you, dude, you got, like, people don't realize you got game pitch record in Nashville. K four hundred thirty seven strikeouts record wins everything. You're you're basically you're a legend and you're a legend in Nashville, my man. You're unbelievable. 
But hey, country music and Tim Dillard. Oh my God, it's amazing. No, people don't realize you you can't walk about. He walks around. He's recognized everywhere now. It's pretty amazing. But do you think like that's your hometown? That's your that's your hood. Are they going to get a major league team there? They got to get one. I mean, this is what do you think? This talk's been. It's been going on for years. Uh, the first I heard of it was about 2012, 2013 spring training, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. And people were talking about it then. And this is back yeah. when the Sounds were trying to get a brand new stadium, which they got in 2015. So it's like, okay, well, they have a AAA stadium that the city just paid for. They, how early? Like, when can you start doing a big league stadium, right? And then all of a sudden, I think last year, they approved the Titans to get a brand new stadium. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the taxpayers are going to be like, yeah, just start buying a bunch, you know, Let's have all these stadiums, as many as possible. Uh, but I do know that, like, Tony LaRusso, I think Dave Stewart, there's a whole club here uh, called Nashville, Nashville Music something. I forgot the name of their club. But the, of tr- all they're doing is devoted to trying to get a major league team in Nashville. And could they support it? Absolutely. Uh, but you have to have a corresponding team. And I've also heard that Charlotte is on. Yeah, I was going to say, it's going to be Charlotte or Nashville. Uh, Portland. Yeah, Charlotte, Portland. Um, there's another one. Please say Montreal. No, Montreal. We're not even on the list anymore. Yes. Come on. So Montreal, I heard Montreal in 2014, and it was contingent on if they uh, built a new stadium. It's not going to happen. They would do it right away. I heard they would do it right away if they had a new stadium. That's what I heard. Yeah. Well, of course, course when they want to come back across the border, and what you know, they've, they've been talking about, it. if we do have a team, it's going to be well. There was at one point there was rumors that the Rays were going to move, which would have been like a logical move to move to Montreal and be like in American uh, Le- uh, uh, AL East. You know, play like you know twenty times a year against Toronto. Yankees are always a draw. Red Sox are always a draw. Hey, why are we talking about this? I don't want to like go back and like just crumble up in a bubble and start crying and just, you know, call my shrink because we're not going to get a fucking team for the next fucking 25 years because lack of political willingness because, yeah, let's get some fucking, you know, bike. Anyway, okay, all right, fine. I'm sorry. I'm just losing it. So I want to go to something that... Yeah, I know, but it's like... Anyway, uh, can I get some baseball? Plus, I mean, you know, if we do get this in where we're supposed to be, it's four blocks away from my house, man. I could be doing this live while I'm watching the game, so... uh, That's awesome. Well, yeah, okay. My old motivation is like to increase the value of my condo. All right, okay. I'm coming out, man. It's like uh, you know, you gotta, you know, you got to be honest in this life. But you know what? Like I said, there's something about fascinating about like you know, the longer like 17 years, man, is a long time. And at one point, you know, like I, I, I guess the dream keeps being alive. And but you know, the, the further you're going along, you know, the further like the majors might be going away. What is the motivation of like? Do you go just? Every day going, I can't believe I'm like 36 years old and I got a baseball in my hands. Is that what, is it, what kind of things do you yeah. cling on to at that point? Yeah, well, that's it's a real thing. It's probably on a, I don't want to say a daily basis, but definitely a couple times a year. You're like, what am I doing? But there were so many off seasons where I couldn't find a job. And I couldn't, you know, I was trying to make other things work. I tried to, you know, maybe a different career, like trying to search that. And then somehow I end up getting another job. So it was almost like it was out of my control. Like, I don't know what you guys believe, but I, I do believe in God. And I just feel like for whatever reason, he kept giving me a jersey. Almost like it, despite my best efforts of trying to get out of one at times. But it's not of a lack that I didn't want one. I wanted one, but it was like, what am I going to do in the minor leagues over and over and over again? Because uh, after a while, it was like I had a really good season. 
I was actually went to the winter meetings in Nashville and started, you know, handing out a business card. That's how bad I wanted to keep playing. RHP, Tim Dillard, I had my phone number on it, and I'm passing it out to everybody that had anything that was a logo. I gave one out to the Reds, uh, like, PA announcer that was there. Like, that's where I was at. And anyway, I just wanted to keep playing, and I saw Gabe Kapler when he was with the Dodgers, and I'd known Cap. We were teammates, right? And so we're all, and I asked him, I said, you know, hey, here's my numbers here. Let, I'll be here tomorrow. Here's my card. Like, look me up and blah, blah, blah. He came back and was like, dude, your numbers are legit last year. I was like, thanks, man. He's like this, this, he's pointing at all these numbers. And he's like, this is awesome, man. You should, yeah, yeah, you'll easily find a job. And I'm like, so what is, do I get AAA with the Dodgers, man? Just give me a chance. And he goes, and you're way too old. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, and it dawned on me, like, I could tell that ship had sailed where it was like, yeah, you're a big league guy. They wouldn't waste the roster spot on me. They wouldn't try to do that. Uh, I could, I, I knew the writing was on the wall, so I thought, well, okay, maybe I'm not supposed to still keep playing. And then for whatever reason, like I said, I kept getting a job. And I kept being that guy that when everything else failed, uh, I would I would just pitch. Somebody gets hurt in the second inning, yep. it was always the sidearm guy, Dillard, get out there. And in Every 2019, time. I I pitched in 2019. We were in Iowa. The AAA Cubs. I came in relief through like an inning or two. Uh, it didn't go great. It didn't go bad, but it didn't go great. My season was kind of eh at that point. Uh, and I was going to bed. It was like midnight, and I was just kind of bummed out. And it was one of those moments of like, what are you doing with your life, right? I was, I was like, do I quit? What do I do after this? And I felt really lost, and I got a phone call uh, from uh, Brian Schaus, who was our pitching coach. And Chelsea was like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, I didn't want to say contemplating. <laughs> I didn't want to be serious with him. I was like, no, I'm about to go to bed, get my rest. What's up? And he's like, can you start the game tomorrow? I said, absolutely, I can. I just pitched a couple innings, but I'm like, I'll start. I don't care. Uh, got my rest, got up, went to the field like everything was normal, prepared, went out there, started the game, went five scoreless and faced over the minimum, I think. Or maybe faced the minimum, I think. I got a guy on, yeah. and I got Addison Russell to ground into a double play. But either way, mm-hmm. since that moment, after like two days later, I pitched in relief, and then two days later after that, I was a starter. I ended up That's throwing mornings in the minor leagues in 2019. I threw mornings in anybody at any level in any organization. And mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I was at the point where I was like, I may have to call. I may have to walk to the field tomorrow knowing I'm going to pack my bag up and I got to say bye to guys because like, I just – I, it's not going well, and it's just I'm away from my family, and for what? Uh, anyway, I must have held on for just enough hours because all of a sudden opportunity knocked, and I took full advantage of it. Um, and if it wasn't for COVID, I'd probably still be pitching, guys. Really? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm not surprised you were having like you know the, the, those existential questions while you were in Iowa, because what else are you going to do in Iowa than have you know existential questions? You know, so. hey, that place, sleeper city, sleeper city. You no, know, but it's like the bad. quietness, the stars, and everything. You know, the open space is like coolness. This is where I'm yeah, supposed to like analyze Iowa. my life. Yeah. And uh, let's uh, now you're an announcer. You're uh, I, I know you're pretty uh, you know you're pretty sold on the Brewers. I want to talk about some uh, baseball because I mean I love we're not going to talk about the American League East uh, Central because I I think that's pretty depressing, man. I mean you know it's like yeah right it is. Yeah. I, th- I think it's going to whoever wins that division is going to be just crawling, you know, to the finish line is basically what's going to. But I find it the National League Central interesting for the simple reason that. Um, It's it you know we you got big markets like Chicago and St. Louis 
who are struggling. I think Chicago might be a surprise, but I love, you know, whether it's Milwaukee, and but especially Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. I love these clubs who have, like, you know, ingrown talent, who are going to be faced with some tough decisions at uh, the trade deadline. We're talking about this, Gags and I. Most of the upper-tier talent is already up in the majors, so that's safe. That's, you know, untouchable, you know what I mean? So you can you can afford to yeah. move the guys in AA and AAA. What are you expecting from that division uh, going forward? I think, it's, I, I think the Reds are for real. I'm going to say that out loud. Yeah, I think so, too. I think the Pirates are still good. I think the Cubs are surging. If it wasn't for the Brewers today having some amazing comebacks, I mean, they were down 6 nothing, came back 8-6, to six and end up winning. Uh, what you're going to see is, okay, so the Rays have, what, 70 wins in 80 games? I don't know the math, but, uh, right, they're just dominating everybody for the most part. They have this huge lead, and you see that kind of around baseball, one or two teams just running away. But leave it to the NL Central to have at least two, at least three, sometimes four to five teams that are in this thing. It's just going to be exciting. I mean, if you take the record out of out of the way, you're just going to see exciting baseball within the NL Central the entire year. Because what we saw is every time one team gets hot, here comes another team that's cold, and then it just switches month to month. Yeah, Can't explain it. Don't, don't know if it has to do with like the all-encompassing everybody plays everybody's schedule. Uh, but you're seeing exciting baseball. Look at the Reds and what they put it to, uh, put up there. I mean, a couple of a couple of uh, rookies they have, guys that are in their sophomore season doing some amazing stuff. The Pirates. Uh, I mean, it's it's good baseball to watch. Yeah. Right? Whatever you think about their record or whatever you think about the NL Central uh, becomes irrelevant because if you watch one of those games where they're going head to head. Uh, there's not much more entertaining baseball out there. Yeah, you know what? The funny thing is, like, I hate the cards, but now I feel really sad for them. <laughs> the cards? Yeah. No, we're good. We can. I hate the cards too. <laughs> no, <laughs> they fired my dad. My dad was coaching in their organization. He got... They fired him. You know. So anyway, I don't hold a ten-year grudge, but I... about grudge eight eight years right now. It's up to you, guys. What do you think? Amazing. What you got? What you got on? Uh, are they going to make trades? You think? Are, you gonna, are they going to trade somebody, or are they ready for playoffs? Because I don't think, like, you know, the starters. I mean, I like them, but they're. I don't think they're that deep for the playoffs. The Reds you're talking about? Well, they get no Brewers. The Brewers. Brewers. Hopefully, Brewers. Brewers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, when is when is Woodruff coming back? I have in my baseball pool. When is yeah. he's my IL? When is Woodruff coming back? He's thrown uh, three times off the bump. He's probably going to do a live VP before he goes out on rehab assignment, probably do two or three of those. He's actually over the all-star break. He's staying in Milwaukee to throw bullpens and stuff. So uh, obviously taking it very seriously. And he's big country strong boy. I mean, I, he actually lives five minutes from my parents in Mississippi. So compare him to the Lance Lynn's of the world, Hunter Renfro, like these dudes, when they're ready, they know when they're ready and just put the ball in their hand and leave them alone. Uh, that's Brandon Woodruff. So you got him coming back. There's no bigger trade. If you want to go look at a starting rotation, there's nobody you could find in baseball uh, that would be a better trade spot than just getting Brandon Woodruff back off the IL. So they do have that. So they have depth there. Uh, the bullpen's yeah. been shaping up really well. They, I could see them probably making one move to get a guy possibly in the bullpen. Yeah, because I'm not but sure Williams me, is the guy until the end of the season. I'm just saying. No, no, he, he'll be fine. That guy's yeah? okay. awesome. Okay. He's awesome. Uh, but they just, they need, you know, they have maybe two or three spots of guys that kind of goes, you know, that revolving door. And then when you're going down the stretch, I don't think you could have two to three guys revolving door. You have to have two or three guys that know what they're doing. And then maybe one guy that's revolving down the stretch. But to me, all the Brewers need is a hitter that's about 280. 280 hitter that they can put in the three, four, or five hole. 
because the Brewers have been getting on base. I don't. That hasn't been a problem. The walk rate, uh, just sheer getting on base, has not been a problem. It's getting them in. They've rectified that over the last probably 14 games, but before that, about a month and a half, they could not get them across the plate. They were leaving too many guys on base. So if they were going to make a move, just go get anybody. It could be Luisa Rise. I don't care. Just somebody that's going to hit a single and drive in one or two, right? Like it doesn't have to be a home run. We're not going looking. We're not home run shopping. There's guys on base. Just spin. So to me, it could be a reasonable. Find a find a 280 hitter to put right there and drive in some runs. That's really all they need. Well, you got one in Triple A could do the job, you know, and there's a homegrown kid that uh, gags and I love very much. He was called up for a game, hit a home run, and got sent by you sat on the bench for eight games and got sent down. <laughs> Our boy. Abraham Toro. No, what are you talking why why are you laughing? The kid Yeah, right. No, he was just named American League. Yeah. Uh, he was he's just named Inter- Inter- International League Player of the Week. Jo- no, joking apart. I mean, Abtor had a rough season in yeah. uh, Seattle last year, but he's an he's a, I can do anything kid. You know, I mean, Joey Reimer's not doing the job right now in center field. I mean, Adamus has got a big contract, but he's hitting two hundred five. I mean, you know, at one point, I don't know. I mean, I love those guys who can hit for power, hit for singles, and still, it's also a good environment in the in, in the locker room. And I think Abtoro. We're pushing for own uh, grown-up products, man. But uh, well, I feel a lot of condescension no, he's, he's by the right. way you're looking at me. So uh... <laughs> No, no, no. I think he's a fantastic player. I mean, switch hitter, guy can play every position in the infield. The problem is they got guys that are playing where they need to be playing. Brian Anderson, my goodness, that guy's one of the best gloves at third base. If it wasn't for Nolan Arenado, this guy probably would already have a gold glove at some point because he's just that really? good over there. He makes play after play after. Yes, he is above above elite right he has just been really good but this whole brewers defense that's been the big thing if you want to put hey hang your hat on one thing the brewers have done go around everybody on the field all the outs above average is ridiculous adamas joey weimer bryce terrain owen miller playing multiple positions doing that uh christian yelich right Blake yeah. perkins just got mm-hmm. like outfielder of the month or something like that like that's what they're doing And this team's not built around, hey, let's score a ton of runs. This team is built around, all we got to do is score a couple. And between our pitching staff and our defense, we're going to keep runs off the board. And the defense has been, I'm telling you, watch this team, this, this defense. If they can keep that up, uh, it's going to be really good. So I think Abraham Toro, as good a player as he is, he just hasn't found uh, his opportunity yet because they have too many guys that are kind of doing the glove thing or doing the bat thing. And he just hasn't found his time. But his time's coming, for sure. Love to hear that, man. He's a boy. Got a question, guys? Hey, man. Favorite movie, my man. Favorite movie. I know if you do that. What's your favorite movie, my man? What is it? Come on. Uh, I mean, baseball movie, obviously, you know? Of course, of course. Well, baseball movie. He's all baseball. Dilly's all about no. baseball. <laughs> oh yeah I, yes i love i love baseball don't get me wrong i'll, I'll speak and i'll speak all you know hours of my life talking about baseball because honestly i think the problem with youth these days is they don't know to talk about baseball i remember mm-hmm. in uh, the science of hitting 300 or 400 whatever ted williams's book was the big thing was distractions and he wrote this sucker you know, 50 years ago uh distractions back in the day when you're on a train going from you know city to city You didn't have anything to do. You would just talk baseball. That's all you had. Yeah. I think today there's so many things you can do that a lot of times guys forget to talk baseball. So, yes, I will talk baseball 
to no end. But when it comes to movies, I need to get off this planet, man. I got to get off this planet. Get me out of here. It's Star Wars. Empire Strikes Back is my favorite movie. Empire Strikes Back. No, you got to go Rogue One. You got to go Rogue One. (laughs) Rogue One. Rogue One's number two, I think. I think Rogue One, after about the third third or fourth time I watched it, I was like, I think I want to watch this more than Return of the Jedi. And here's how I rank it. It's the best ending ever. It's the best ending of any Star Wars movie. Come on. I will. I will say that, yes. But the way I rank movies is how much they're able to be rewatched, right? Because there could be a good movie, but I don't want to watch it once a year. I, it's just not that kind of movie. Oh, it's really good, but I want to watch it over and over and over again. Uh, I've been recently watching like Ready Player One. If you oh, yes. That one, I've seen that. I watch that yeah. movie once a year. That, uh-huh. The, the so dancing good. scene, the dancing scene where they're flying up in the air and the dancing. Oh, it got to me, man. <laughs> the soundtrack, uh, just the idea of like the little product placement and the nostalgia across the board. Yeah. Uh, I really love uh, Little Big League is my favorite baseball movie. I no love way. Green, really? I can't watch that. I can't watch that all the time. Yeah. Little Big League, I promise, had some absolute like uh, just some really good salty baseball people that helped influence because every character in that movie is about what it's like being in a clubhouse. Am I right, Gandhi? Like. Oh, Every yeah. guy in yeah. there, they're checking out chicks in the stands. Uh, they're talking about big contracts. Like the lingo that goes on in that movie, I promise, is spot on, and it's one of the best in any baseball movie. Uh, I got to go Boulder. I'm it. sorry. I'm pretty classic. <laughs> I mean, to me, Boulder. Well, Major like... League. Major League's great. I can watch Major League every day. The, the problem f- is the first kind of one, not the believable. second one. The first one. No, the first one. First one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But what I know Bull Durham. Bull Durham, no good. You don't like Bull Durham's Durham. great. That's your no, life. I love buddy. Bull Durham. So <laughs> I actually I watch it at least at least once a year. Um, I actually met Ron Shelton, who wrote uh, and directed the movie. Really? As well as Cup, right? He's a big Kevin Costner guy, and I talked to him about baseball movies, how he came up with this, and my thing to him was, yes, that's really, you know, that's what the minor leagues is like. I mean, really, forty years ago. Yeah, how the minor leagues is now, and it's not the minor leagues is not even what I remember when I first started coming up to the minor leagues. So if you're going to do a movie, you got to do a reboot. This could be an easy, easy reboot with Kevin Costner as the manager now, and you just have a new wave, and they have to navigate what it's like uh, being in the minor leagues now, which is not as hard in some ways, but in other ways, it's like now you're under the microscope, even in AAA or A ball. Right? If you're a prod, if you're a prospect in A ball, you're on Twitter. Everyone knows who you are, and your videos yeah. are posted if you do something good, if you do something bad. Back in the day, you would scroll into a city, and nobody even knew who you were. And I promise, people took advantage of that. <laughs> hey, before we let you go, since you opened up the doors for the minor leagues, man, and, you know, I, I hate being putting people on the spot like that, but, I mean, you're, one of your favorite anecdotes from your playing days in the minor leagues, you know, something that, you know, you will take with you for, you know, you know those days where you're just sitting around and something pops up in your mind and go, Holy fuck, that's right, I lived that. Yeah, I, I mean... You probably have a thousand anyway. I mean, there's a that. lot of moments. Well, I, I kind of, I did play professionally over the parts of 18 seasons. I did play some independent <laughs> ball during COVID in 2020. Uh, I rolled off the couch, went through like eight innings, got a win. Uh, that was actually tough. Uh, but I'll say this. Um, I've been a part of a lot of stuff. I, I was part of a skit with the San Diego chicken, the famous chicken. That was cool. Um, saw a lot of stuff, played against a lot of legit major leaguers, probably was teammates with and played against a lot of Hall of Famers. But for me, the biggest moment, the teachable moment, life, 
actually baseball. Um, came in somewhere in price 2016 or 17. I was pitching in a game through two or three innings, and then we had a rain delay. I just, I don't know. I didn't, I, we were in Colorado Springs, which you've ever been there. It rains and hails and tornadoes and snows and blizzard and fog. And like, you're just going to get a rain delay all the time. And that's in the same day. Sort. <laughs> that's in the same day. Like that's, it actually hailed there the other day in like June or who's late June. So anyway, the, the, the coach came over, the manager came over, they're shaking my hand. They're like, you're done. You're not pitching anymore. We're putting in this other guy. I'm like, all right. So I, I get in the clubhouse. I sit on the couch. I didn't want to take my spikes off. I was like, I don't want. I don't. I don't feel comfortable taking my spikes off, my glove. So I just put my jacket on, like I always wear. And I stayed hot. And I kind of was sitting there. And the guy they were going to put in says, "Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to. I'm going to go. I got to use the restroom." And he's like, "Just if the coaches are looking for me, I'm in there." All right, okay. So he leaves. And like five seconds later, the manager runs in and is like, "They're starting the game." So we got some false information apparently. So I'm the second guy team is out there pitching the pitcher had done his warm-up pitches and the game was started the grounds crews off the field uh the fans were starting to come back in and we're all sitting there and it was two outs when they banged it so the guy it, there's nobody on deck <laughs> no coaches in the coaches box uh and the guy grounds out suddenly their team's leaving the field and it's our turn to take the field and it's like me now a coach showed up and like the catcher i was like all right so i just put myself in the game and I went out there, and eventually we all got back out there. We played the inning. I got three up, three down, I think. Came back in the dugout. Dawns on me that it doesn't matter what the coach says. Hey, you're done. You're not pitching this game. Until someone else on your team toes that rubber, you're you're still at it. You can still be the guy. It's like the boxer. Keep those gloves up no matter what until you are allowed. So that bell rings, and you're allowed to bring them down. Keep that guard up. And that, that's just a metaphor for life for me, like, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, try to predict baseball. If you could do that, you'd be running Vegas. You can't. You don't know what's going to happen. So you always got to keep your guard up. Not in a, not in a, I don't know what to say, a, a, a negative way. I'm not pessimistic at all. I'm a very optimistic person. But at the same time, I do understand what goes on and always be ready. That's why I'm probably the most paranoid person you've ever met. <laughs> that's hilarious hey my friend yeah, enjoy it, enjoy Appreciate Tennessee enjoy the barbecue <laughs> enjoy the dogs howling as we heard uh, before man it was great having you it was great meeting you man it's honestly man I hope we do this in person one day uh, if I'm ever up in Milwaukee to see a game I'm ringing you up man for sure and uh, thanks a lot man it was just I was insightful enlightening and everything love the glasses man enjoy the beer in Tennessee awesome and yeah. uh, we'll talk to you soon hopefully hey, just remember That's right. Get a little toasty. Get a little toasty. <laughs> Y'all have a good one. All right, man. Thanks, Dilly. I Thanks, love buddy. it. Appreciate it, man. Are we going to get Thank toasty, Dags? We're going to get toasty uh, together once, at least in our lives, right? If I understand what toasty We means. Need But, uh, We need yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. We'll talk about it later on. All right, man. It's time for the relief. <laughs> Unless we don't have an intro. Brought to you by uh, Baseball Canada, L'Académie de Baseball Canada. I'm going to ask you, man, it's funny because I mean, I love it. Our, our English, the French broadcast goes on for pretty much very long. The last couple of weeks, you know, we're just barely making it on time to be live for the English one. And uh, the English one is uh, carrying over. So, man, what a great discussion it was with Tim. And, man, yeah, he's just, an interesting guy. Oh, it's he's a bromance. So I, I mean, you know, it's a bromance. I'm in love with him. And it's like uh, too cool, too casual and stuff. I love him. 
I love you too, but I might be cheating on you with Tim. I'm just saying that. That's okay. That's okay. Here's He's a, a Go ahead. No, I was. Here's the question I have because in this segment we're talking about the relief. Last week we talked about Eli De La Cruz, which was the obvious choice to talk about and stuff. And we could, you know, nobody's really. There's been a couple of, of uh, call-ups be, between now and then. You know, Henry Davis and uh, Pittsburgh is doing pretty well too. But I was gonna say, I mean, we see all these call-ups in June for obvious reason. Well, some guys have to get a little more maturity in AAA um, or in the minors in, in the minors in general. But we all know it's about you know contract control. For what it comes down to, not uh, arbitration. Is that what I'm saying? Yeah, arbitration and just... yeah, arbitration time. Yeah, exactly. But you know, it, the kids. The, the, you've been around. You've been one of those too. When you're up in a club and you're, you know, you, you go through the like the initial, the, the the beginning of like you know living the major league lifestyle. You know, the hotels, the travel. You know, no more bus trips. You know, no more B P B and J barbecue. You know what I mean? It's like you know, it's mm-hmm. it's for class and everything. But at one time, at one point, you know, reality sets in. What's it like for a rookie when you get to, like, you know, mid to J- mid-July, late July, early August? First of all, the season is longer up there, you know, up in the majors than it is in the minors. Mentally, you know, the, the, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, you know, the, not that the dream, the dust is settling is what I'm saying. Am I right? Yeah, what's, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's when you kind of like, okay, I'm in the big leagues. I've been here. I understand what's going on. I understand the ins and outs a little bit. It is a long season. I mean, it's hard. And when you're a rookie, you're trying to, like, once you get up there, let's say you're, you're up, you know, from day one, that's great. You're settling in if you haven't been called up or whatever. But once you're in there, like in June and July, this is where the dog days are coming. I mean, this is where real baseball players come in. this is where mentally it's very very demanding that's when you start traveling you know, the travel is starting to really really get into your body this is where all the little injuries are coming in this is where basically you're trying to just survive you're trying to just maintain your 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 pace and it's it's tough but that's why I mean, that's what we talked about the, the the veterans around that's where that's where this is where the veterans come into play they talk to the young kids you know make sure you you know make sure you eat right make sure when you do Make sure you hydrate right. Make sure you're, you know, you're not too high, too low. This yeah. is just, this is the go to bed early. Guys. Don't go out with the guys. Just go to bed. I'm, I'm exaggerating. You know what I mean? Bed. Yeah, just be Kinda. more disciplined. But no, yeah. but it's just, it's just like the veterans have been around it. Like veterans, it's easy for them because they know they got the ups and downs, the peaks and valleys where they're, you know, let's say you go through 0, 0 for ten, you know, you go 0 for ten, you're, 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 you're not panicking. Young kids are going to start panicking if they're in the race. If they're in the race, if there's a trade deadline coming up, if all these things that you know you you have a chance to be get you know getting sent back down, so all these factors come into play. Those are little variables that you don't really notice as a you know you don't notice as a fan, but it comes and it creeps into your head. If you start struggling a little bit, you're thinking, okay, the next guy in Double A Triple A is going to be coming up. So these are things that you bounce off your veterans. This is why the veteran presence comes into play so much, and it's really important at that time of the year. Especially if you're in the race, especially if you're, you know, you're you're a big name or you're a guy. Those guys like Eli, Eli De La Cruz, now they're banking on him being the guy, being the you know the main guy. So it's going to be very difficult. That's when you need to talk about. It. You need to really, you know, just just feed off your guys like Votto, a guy like this. It can make him calm down. It's just kind of get him back on track if he's not doing well, or keep doing what you're doing. Don't press too much. And I think this is where. This is the difference making. This is how you build character. This is how when those July, June and July days are coming in and you're struggling, you're tired, you're not really understanding if you're doing it right, not doing it right, what are you doing right, what are you doing wrong? And I think it's kind of where 
you know, that's where those veterans come into play. And it's, it's hard. It's not easy. Oh, I'm sure, but because I'm always amazed because, I mean, you know, MLB season won 162 games. Uh, minor league season won 142, if I'm correct. Uh, mm -hmm. So 20-game difference, which can be huge. You know, MLB ends up in season early October, minor league baseball, uh, Liberty weekend. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, you know, when you play in the minor leagues, you travel by bus, crappy hotels, you know, like I said, yeah. you know, the food, man, obviously, and with the budget you have, unless you're like, you know, someone who signed a big bonus who can afford those, like, you know, those everyday steaks, you know, you'll have the fast food and stuff. But when you get to the major leagues, traveling by, tra by, by plane, You know, uh, five-star hotels, uh, you know, just showing up at that stadium, the food that you have is anything you need. So can it be just the fact that, like, there's such a hype of being called up that, uh, like I said, at one point, it's just like the fact that it comes down is what gets to you. It's like the noise. It's getting quieter in your head, and you feel like, you know, you're, like, facing yourself and, like, in the mirror and going, holy shit, man. Actually, I've been, in here, I've been up here for a month. Yeah. And you, you start belonging. I mean, it, it, whether it's, it, it could be a really good thing or a really bad thing. I mean, once you start getting called up, everything goes well, and you're settling in. You're really kind of, okay, this is where I'm at. I belong here. I'm a major leaguer. I love traveling and playing. That's why you don't want to go back to the minor leagues. That's Someone's like, carrying my bags. Yeah, Someone's everything. carrying it, my it, bags. It's, it's such a big difference in minor leagues and major leagues. And, you know, that's why we talk about Dillard, like Tim. Tim, like, he's so – you know, chasing the dream. Once you're up there, you're like, okay, I'm here. I'm finally here. Now, how do I stay here? That's the hardest part, just stay yeah. in the big leagues. You know, making it up there is hard, very, very, very difficult. But staying up there and not, you know, because it's doggy dogs. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's whoever does the job. If you don't do the job, you're gone. And that comes into play. And when, when you're a young kid, you don't understand. You don't have that same confidence. It's a lot easier to really hurt that confidence if you go for 10, yeah. like I said earlier. It's hard. But then once you settle in, it's like, that's where – That's where experience comes into play. That's where, okay, I got to bounce up on my veterans. But it's, 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 everybody's different. That's where, that's where you need it in the minor leagues. That's when you go play those 142 games and you yeah. really, you really try to, you know, get your experience you've had in the minor leagues and really go back on that. Because it's, it's nice. It's great to have a first class plane. It's great to live in the best hotel and everything else. Great food. But at the end of the day, you got to perform. And that's what, you know, we can't forget it because it's all about bottom line. It's about, yeah. you know, you got to perform. You got to go put numbers out there and make sure your team wins. Yeah. And Tim brought up some good points because, I mean, and we talked about it with, uh, with uh, Philippe Omo uh, last week. You know, Philippe had like this amazing training camp with the Padres, I think. And then he got sent down, called you up because like, what the hell is going on? Tim just said the same thing. You know, it, it, it's going to be so tough to have these amazing spring trainings and again send down. And then we get called up. Tim just gave us an example. You know, going from like, hey, by the way, do you want to be sidearm pitcher? What the mm -hmm. fuck, man? I mean, really? Like that? I mean, you no, know, but I mean, it's one thing to make it, but imagine if you're making it, you get a coach who's, you know, more or less warm about who you are. Like, you know, he's got, every coach has got their favorite, which is normal. It's human nature, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not just stuff on the field, but the stuff off the field is going to be catching up to you too at one point. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's, that, like you said, I mean, you're trying to, you're, you're trying to do everything to stay up there. You're trying to, You're, you're training, you're mentally, the mental part is the hardest part. That's where those kids, like, to be in the big leagues, everybody's got the talent. The mental attitude, the mental aspect of the game is everything. That's 99% is mental. It really is true. Because once you go out there, you, you struggle. You're people are trying to get your job. And 
you understand what's what it's like to make four, five, six hundred thousand dollars, and then you go back to the minor leagues, you're making nineteen thousand. So it's very, very difficult mentally, and that's why I think guys like Dillard, that Timmy, we went out there and he chased that dream for a long time. It's yeah. so good to be in the big league. It's so much fun, but it's so hard to stay up there. And mentally, you got to really stay strong. And the best ones in, the, in this business, they're all really, really strong mentally. Yeah, and he got me convinced. I think I should switch to being a side armor. I think I'm up for that, man. 53 years old. If I want to, you know, if I, have, if I want another shot at the show, I got to throw a sidearm. Hey, let's go for the closer right now. All right, we touched. Uh, we touched uh, some of these subjects in French. Uh, these are from the uh, MLB um, uh, website. Uh, articles uh, brought up like seven predictions for the month of July, which I thought were pretty interesting. Uh, in French, we're talking about it. Maybe we should go about it again, but, uh, you know, the Mets coming back and being relevant this year. No, let's go for next year, right? I mean, it's a done deal. We can yeah. have a five-minute discussion uh, or a 10-second discussion about that. They're out. I think they're out. I think they need to re, re, redo or research or re-figure uh, it out. I mean, that's, there's so much money they spent. They, I don't know what to tell them. I mean, it's like, what's 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 going on? What's wrong? Yeah. Why are they why are they not succeeding? Why are they not clicking in all cylinders? Because they got all the ingredients. Now, you got to get it together. You got to put it together. And I think now, it's, I don't think it's two authors a problem. I don't think the player's talent is a problem. Yeah, we can talk about Diaz getting hurt. That changes a whole. Yeah, Alonso's having a so-so season. Yeah, but yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but you you expect that. You're not going to expect Alonso to hit 50 home runs every year. You got to be ready for this, and so they have to compensate. You're not going to plan. And major league teams, they don't plan on perfect seasons every season. They plan on injuries. They plan on guys having down years. But I think now they got to figure out. Okay, what what is wrong? Is it the chemistry? What is it? Do we need to take one guy out? The two guys out? The Verlander, yeah. Verlanders of the world, the Scherzer of the world. What's going to happen with them? What one of those two is going to be gone by uh, the trade deadline, I'm sure. And uh, you know, I'm like we talked about yeah. it again. When uh, sorry if I repeat myself, but in French we talked about it. Uh, Scherzer just waved. Uh, he said he's open. Yeah. He's open to waving his uh, no uh, no trade clause. So I'm right there, you know, it sounds like someone who wants to bail out. But you know what? Because I keep hearing that, you know, and we mention it. I, I love saying you can't buy chemistry, and the Mets right now are the perfect example. You just can't buy chemistry. As much money as you want to spend on numbers, on the guys, you just can't buy that chemistry. But at the same time, you know what? I can understand chemistry on a hockey team in a sense that if I'm on this, you know, side first, second, or third line, whatever, I'm a left wing, and I think the center man is a fucking dickhead. You know, instead of passing in the puck, I might just shoot to the net. You know, same thing in basketball. If the guy to my right pisses me off, yeah, I'll pass the ball, but if I get a chance, I'll take the shot. Same thing in football. Football, 11 guys on every play, on every play I have a specific role. If anybody screws up, the whole play has gone wrong. But in baseball, it's a team sport, but it's a very individual sport. I mean, you know, if, if I'm playing third base and the ball's hit to me, and I think the first baseman's a dickhead, I'm still going to throw the ball to him because that's where the runner's heading. You know what I mean? So what is yeah. it when we talk about baseball, team chemistry? What are we exactly talking about? Because on the field, that chemistry is not as present as it is in, like, hockey, football, or baseball uh, or basketball. Yeah. A lot of sports are action and reaction. You talk about team chemistry. How do we move together as a group? How do we, like, I don't know, play right or, you know, play right wing, center? How do they play together? Baseball is totally different. It's very static. It's very, very individual sports. 
The difference is just basically being patient, being not pressuring as a team, doing the little things you're supposed to do. Understand, okay, what do we need to do to win? Sometimes it's just getting the ball or to get the guy over to second base. Sometimes it's the bunt. Sometimes it's just the little things that make a difference. The two outs, two strikes, the little guys that does does the right thing, you know, and gets the ball in play to get them in over. This is what changes. Like, you know, that's why we talk so much about the new way, the, the way they play the game now. There's a lot more room for slump. So the chemistry, what I mean is to do the right thing together, back up each other. Like, tell the kids not to panic. Make sure that we're doing this together as a group. We have the same the same goals. Everybody wants to win, but how do we win as a team? What is my role? Who needs to do this? Uh, so just it's, it's, it's really that. And it's not so much about the chemistry between the players. Yes, you need to have good chemistry in the clubhouse. You need the leaders that make the guy like Jeter that never panic. If you listen to him in his in his interviews, he never said, you know, he never said, oh, no. we need to do something. He's like, no, we're going to be okay. We understand. Yeah, they understand how to win. So that's more of a belief system than a, a chemistry problem. Like, do we believe, are we good enough? Are we pressing too much? Are we doing this and that? Being able to look at yourself in the mirror and analyze, okay, what is our problem? Why are we not winning right now? And I think as a team, they need to do it together. That's that's what chemistry means. It's not about so much who's right, who's good, who's not good. It's sometimes like, there's going to be guys that are not performing where they are, but it doesn't matter because the other guys are picking them up. So I think it's the big problem. That's kind of the, the Mets problem right now. It's basically when they're pitching good, they can't hit. When they can't hit, they, you know, they're just, it, yeah. it, it never clicked. It doesn't do it. So what is the problem? Maybe you just need to shake up your your lineup. Just put the lead off, man. Hit nine, whatever. Sometimes you need to do changes. You need to get guys out of their comfort zone, or you need to keep them there. It depends. Everybody's different. Every team's different. So the chemistry is more to analyze the problem, look at yourself in the mirror as a team, as an individual, and take you know take ownership and really go forward as a team. And I think that's the big difference. It's not so much like action reaction sport like basketball or baseball or I mean uh, hockey. It's really that. It's like, all right, do we believe as a team that we can win? Yeah. And that's kind of the chemistry part. Well, the answer for the Mets is no. And you know what? They're going to have the same discussion <laughs> next year because, I mean, nobody's going anywhere with the contracts they sign. Who's going to take the Lindor contract, you know, with the money he's, you know, he's making, batting 220? Yeah. You know, there's so many contracts that no other team is going to take, you know, there's, and why would you? So, and you know what? I mean, it's going to come to a point where I, my prediction, my per, uh, my personal prediction Next July, they're in the same situation. They're far away from the wild card. Forget being in first place. And they're going to have to go through a fire cell where the owner is going to go, all right, I'll give you that guy. I'll retain 70% of the salary just to like, you know. It's not heading in a good direction. I understand the, the goodwill behind, you know, trying to get a winner as fast as possible in New York. It's not going to yeah. happen. Before we leave, um, I was going to go with two more questions, but we're going to decide between one of them. Um, one was about the draft because we talked about the LSU guys, uh, Cruz and... Uh, Damn it! If I was Ooh, real... I can't remember his other name. I forgot yeah. already. But the two guys from LSU. Yeah. How about that? It's gonna be. I'm gonna. Th th this is as professional as I'm gonna sound and look. The two guys from LSU. Uh, we're supposed to go one and two. Scoos. Um, oh man, Simo, who's the uh, who's our uh, realizator? Can you find the first two guys? Not Cruz. Well, what's what's the name of the batter? Uh, the pitch. The pitcher. Not the pitcher. Cruz, the, no. the batter. Cruz the batter. Okay, so I got I got it. Okay, all right. He's being represented by Boris, who's basically you know every year holding the world of baseball hostage for whatever demands. I know he was your agent, so you know what? How about we're just gonna keep that because next week when we come back on the air, it'll be uh, it'll be right after the draft, so we can talk about what happened and what Mr. Boris decided to do. So we're gonna finish the show on this one question because one of the predictions about the month of July. 
This is where the Orioles. Yeah, for those wondering, I, oh, sorry, I got number five because I mean I'm sick and tired of buying jerseys from teams or players that get you know signed somewhere else, and I have so many sweet jerseys with guys who aren't there anymore. So I'm going for retired players. So this is the Robinson jersey, and uh, one prediction was made that uh, probably in uh, July that the uh, Orioles would take over first place in the American League East. I don't quite see it. They're four and a half games back. Stop making that yeah. face. You've been making that face since April. We're in July so, now. Face the fact that the Orioles are for real. Come on. Hey, no, not yet. I don't think so. They're an amazing team. I know you love them, but I still don't. I, it's impressive. It's really impressive. It's impressive to watch. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch a team that actually has focus on their own homegrown talent. Yeah. And it's succeeding. That's fun. They don't have to go out there and spend money like the Mets. They will. They have. They have to, I mean, I think they have the means to do it a little bit later. They got more money than we think, and they, but and like we said, the, and we talked about Tim. The biggest talent is already up in the majors, so you can move some guys. I would. I would sign a veteran for that's got a contract that's still good for two years, so I have that option. But uh, they're gonna sell the farm. But you know, you know what I like is like the fact that their starting pitching is catching up finally to to the rest of the yeah. teams. You know, so uh, Tyler Wells, uh, Kyle Bradish, uh, you know, and um, I don't know. I like him. I think they. Uh... Yeah, I, I like him too. I like. I'm not saying I don't like him, but it's very different to win the whole thing. I mean, it's not like it's a long season. We're not even all star game yet. I mean, come on. It's not like it's a long, long season. It's going to be interesting to watch. They're fun to watch. Like your Pirates, fun to watch. Reds, fun to watch. Orioles, fun to watch. It's fun that these guys can see all the young kids coming up and have a chance to really grow with them. Yeah. It's interesting, but are they going to be able to buy? Are they, where are they going to be in a month from now? I mean, you can go, they're four and a half out, but within five, six, seven days, it can be 10 out. So it's like, all right, how are we, you know, where are we going to do this? And I don't know. I don't we're we're going to have that same, we're going to have the discussion every fucking week, man. You know uh, what I mean? It's like, cause, you that's know, fun. it is. But that's okay. I love it because I mean, right now, okay. I'll, how about how about we make okay? Just simple prediction. Right now, it'll be a lot of fun. A month from now, all right. A this month is from now? yeah. Right now we're July third. A month from now, you know, early, the first week of August will obviously mm-hmm. be on the air. Who's going to be ahead of who? Is are the Orioles going to be ahead of the Blue Jays or are the Blue Jays going to be ahead of the Orioles? I think Orioles. Of course, I think Orioles will be ahead of the Blue Jays. I yeah. think so. And the Yankees, unfortunately, yeah. but I think so. Yankees, yeah, I don't know the Yankees. Yeah, we'll I mean, they're, they're going to turn the around bird battle, the bird battle of the National <laughs> American so. League. So, uh, yeah, you know, no, I'll get you converted. I'll get you converted before the end of the season. You are wearing that I'm shirt. A, I'm a believer in Orioles, but I'm not a believer this year of the Royals. That's all. <laughs> Look, we'll keep talking about it. You know what? Okay, it. just one thing at a time. But right now, July, early July. Second place, looking pretty good. So, hey, folks, thanks for being with us. What a great show, man. A lot of fun, man. Tim was just amazing. Uh, like, once man, again. You're, like, you're amazing today. You did great. I'm sorry about the background, my my room. Yeah, you chose fun. a weird spot in your room to, like, you know, just. And like I said, man, you gotta, that clock creeks me out, man. I'm, what is the clock? Sideways, sideways? I know, man. Uh, is it one of those clocks that makes late. the noise with the, 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 the hand? The, the, yeah, that's why I can't focus on my ego click. Is it? Yeah, it does. How about can't you fall asleep with it? Throw it out the window. I just want to see. Oh, can I see? Can I see uh, you just like you know? <laughs> you got to see outside. I wish. Can well, I? We're not going to be here next week, but no. Hey, where are we going to be? Because I mean, for those who don't know, we didn't talk about it on the English show, but right now you're in Newport Beach. I'll be Beach. home. 
I'll be home. I'm in Newport Beach right now. Because in Arizona, it's too warm. So it's going to be cooler yeah. in Arizona next week, or are you just going to leave in the basement? Yeah, no, not, like, not that. Not It'll be air conditioning. In that bunker of yours. Yeah. That's right. The big That's bunkers. Right. It's like, you know, exactly. <laughs> hey, folks, thanks for being with us, man. This is, you know, we're having so much fun week after week, man. I think I think we're getting better, too, man. If you want to follow us on the social media, here are all the addresses you need to know. Uh, Gags and I, you know, have fun posting some videos. Uh, kick our asses and ask for more because, you know, obviously, we, you know, get to be more. Uh, we did a little more better job in that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, just uh, I'm saying it out we loud. Need to be better. But both of us, man, we're going to be more, uh, yeah. But, uh, hey, look, we're, we're just, you know, we're discovering this. It's like our new toy and stuff. Uh, all the names that you saw earlier on also are all the people who are helping us, you know, produce this show, uh, which obviously none of us could do, uh, neither of us could do alone. So uh, thanks for being around. And uh, you know what? Actually, we're going to do something in French, and uh, we'll try to do it in English, too. Next week, the first, uh, actually, the next time we're going to be live on the air is going to be uh, July 11th, which is next Tuesday. And uh, 15 minutes before the show... Uh, we're going to do some trivia. We're going to have a quiz uh, for also in French and also in English. What did I say also? In French and also in English. And, uh, you know, so it'll be give us a chance to, like, talk directly to um, to the people who follow us. Uh, as always, uh, you know, usually we're live on the French show first, English show second. And whenever we get to the English show, some people write, we will come to fucking speak in English because uh, we can. And uh, we're just reminding you that uh, there's also a show in French. So stop whining and just watch both. Or learn a second language. So, uh, hey, not a way to go, but that's fucking Max Martin for you. Gags, thanks for uh, being with me. Thanks for putting up with me. Thank you, man. Eric Gagne. Folks, thanks for being there, and we'll see you a week from now. Over.